Matthew 7. I, I want to read this just to maybe share a word with you. Uh, I think that's relevant to where we are at this time. Uh, I began last week sharing uh, this concept of kingdom builders. What is kingdom builders? Well, uh, as we pray about what we're doing constantly, saying, God, how do we become uh, more effective? How are we most effective? And kingdom builders is, is a way to bring provision to God's vision here through Calvary. Uh, what are we wanting to do? We're wanting to reach as many people as we possibly can as quickly as we possibly can. That's the heart of God, reaching as many people as we can as quickly as we possibly can. And so we go through the year and we have, you know, special needs and offerings. Uh, you know, there'll be these things, uh, hurricanes and different needs, and we'll take an offering and respond. But what we've been looking and praying, God, how do we get ahead of this? How do we become more proactive and intentional uh, in our giving uh, over and above our tithe to make sure that we're meeting all these many needs? We have young men and women being called into full-time missions work now. Uh, which is exactly the plan to be moving our church family along. And so how do we do this? So kingdom builders is a concept that uh, I'm beginning to share with us. We'll step into it in October. But during this month, I just want to connect that to our vision and our purpose. So let me say this. Uh, last Sunday, if you missed last Sunday, I strongly encourage you more than I normally do. I usually preach series, but this is so critical. I cannot backtrack and, and give all the information from last Sunday. And, and what I'm doing this month is building each week uh, on this concept of Kingdom Builders. So uh, let me ask you to do this. You can go to the website. You can download that podcast. There's no charge at all. I, I want to urge you to do that. Secondly, I've alerted our guys in our technical area. We're going to print a large number of CDs to have from last week's message. They'll be ready next week, okay? So the first message, you're here today, you got the second. But I want to make sure everybody gets that first one and we can build on this. It'll be really important. So those will be available next week at no charge. I want you to be able to track along with me to get this whole concept, to catch this vision so that we can stay on track together. Now, where we are here looking at these hurricanes, what, a, what an unusual couple of weeks that we're having, and if anything has ever given us a confirmation that we're right on track with kingdom builders, it's these, these hurricanes we're facing right now, and how important it is that we're ready to respond. I'll, I'll talk some more about that, but, but uh, I want you to catch uh, a message today that helps us understand who we are, what we're doing. Why are we in this moment? How does God look at it? But before we do that, I want to read from Matthew 7 uh, just to make a comment on hurricanes and storms, okay, and where we are. Let's look at Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. So the wise man who heard God's word and put it into practice, did the storm hit his house? Yes, okay. So it hit it, but what do we find out? Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. He was prepared. Let's keep reading. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man, <clears throat> excuse me, who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, guys, let me help you with something. It's really important. We have people kind of asking questions and trying to figure these things out. Uh, when we read Scripture, 
and we look at God's Word and His response to us, let me help you with something. The proof that you're a Christian, the proof that you have faith, is not did or did not the storm come. The proof is, how did you respond to the storm? The real proof that God is who He says He is is not that sometimes there's good times and sometimes there's bad times. Sometimes there's storms and sometimes there's not a storm. See, we want to say, well, if God is good, there's never going to be a storm in my life. Now, we like that because we don't like storms. Come on, can anybody understand that? And so we want to fit God into our concept. So people will say, uh, Pastor Josh mentioned earlier today, well, is God mad at somebody in Florida? No, God's not mad. Listen, if God was mad at us, it wouldn't take a hurricane. It'd just be over. Does everybody understand that? Somebody I heard somebody one day say, I think God's out to get me. I said, no, if God was out to get you, pardon my grammar, you'd be gotten by now. You, you know, God's not that bad a shot, and you're not that smart. Okay? Can I help you? So if God was out to get you, you're done already, before, long before today got here. So what are we learning? We're learning this. The proof of our faith is not do we face or not face a storm. It's what remains after the storm. The proof of the greatness of God is that He's bigger than any storm that comes in our life. And He walks with us through it. So, so we, that takes us one more level today. And I think we rarely ever see this concept because it's exactly with what we're looking at with kingdom builders. How do we as Calvary have a vision and a purpose and a plan for God to use us to reach as many people as possible as quickly as possible, no matter what the circumstance, in North Alabama and to the ends of the earth? Well, let's look at the storm again just for a minute. I'm just illustrating with where we are at this moment in time because God's Word is relevant, and it works not just way back then and somewhere in the sweet by and by, but right here now. So we're seeing, according to Scripture, that even for the godly, you may face some difficult times, but God proves Himself faithful that you survive, that you're bigger, you're greater, that you're standing at the end of the storm. So how you respond in the storm is a real indication of your faith. And we get that. But let me tell you this, that we often miss. How do the people respond who are not in the storm? Okay? We never talk about that. We talk about the people in the storm. How do they respond? But what about the people who don't live in Florida? Now we're talking about you and me. Now we're talking about where we live today here in North Alabama. So if the proof of faith is how I respond to the storm, then that includes you and I, not only if we're in it, but those of us who missed it. So what are you saying, Pastor? Then the proof of our faith is how are we going to help the people in the storm? How is God going to use us to put our hands on them? How is God going to use us to bless them? See, the proof of my faith is not, well, hallelujah, that one missed me. It's what do you need me to do? See, how is God going to work through us to show Himself strong to the people in that storm? How many of you want Florida to stand when the hurricane's over? How many think they need some food and help and stuff? So the proof, do you see, of the faith of the people in the storm is to trust God. The proof of the faith of the people not in the storm is for God to use us to help the people that went through the storm. So there's what we're learning from these things. And we begin to understand, as we said last week, God has given us partners locally, internationally, to help men and women in these key moments. One of the critical partners that we have, a strategic partner, is Convoy of Hope. First people on site. First people to bring food and help and shelter. And they do it in the name of Jesus. Right now, Convoy of Hope, see, again, we have to get ahead of this game. Uh, Convoy of Hope has been in Texas emptying everything they have. 
to help those friends. We saw last week the video, the vice president of the United States and the governor of Texas to make their address stood in front of the convoy of Hope truck, first people on site. And now they're trying to replenish and race into Florida to help them. We're partners with those people, and we need to be ahead of the game. Let's look just a quick, just a reminder, what happens? What does Convoy of Hope really do? Let's look at this for a minute. What if you truly believed that you could change your city? Not the structures, the roads, or the traffic, but the people. What would you do? When you'd look around you, would you begin to see potential instead of poverty? Would your eyes be opened to the value of your neighbors? Would you start to realize that sometimes the simplest things make the biggest difference? That even something as basic as a haircut can inspire confidence? Or that a new pair of shoes can not only change the way people walk, but the way they carry themselves? And would you begin to believe that providing health exams does more than just bring peace of mind, but has the ability to change hearts as well? Or that giving a child reason to smile can brighten their entire existence? And what if you believe that offering someone something as simple as a bag of groceries could be the one thing that brings hope to everything? I came to the Convoy of Hope outreach today for the services offered because they're needed and helpful at the moment. Very helpful. Everybody's constantly making sure that we have what we need and if we need help finding anything. And there's just lots of people to help you. It's given us hope today. That's the hope we needed. By giving back to your community, you'll play a part in changing the lives of families and giving them the hope they need. By coming together as friends and neighbors to pray, to give, and to volunteer, we'll transform lives. Hope starts here. So, you know, there's one thing to talk about hope. There's another thing to give hope. That's a big difference. And that's what we're working on, and that's what this whole kingdom builder's ideas about. So let's go to John chapter 3. I want you to look at one of the most famous verses in the New Testament, John chapter 3 and verse 16. How many are going to look that up with me? You'll say amen. Let's get your Bibles or your devices. Let's look at this because we always look at John three sixteen and we stop there. There's another incredible verse connected to it. And I want you to see this. And it's so important in what we're doing. Again, kingdom builders. What is it? It's a way to fund the vision and the purpose of God for us here at Calvary. It's a step up in maturity. It's, it's a more focused way to help those around us. It starts where we are. It goes to any place where people need to hear about Jesus Christ. Let's look at John chapter 3. And let's look at verse 16. You, you know this. For God, let's, let's think about it. Slow down. And let's look at this message. For God did what? God so what? What moved God? God so loved who? Everybody. For God so loved this world. Again, I think sometimes we're hard. I'll never forget that, that and when, when one of my daughters, when she was very little, we were watching something, came on television, and somebody, I, I can't remember what it was, and she looked at me and she said, she said, Daddy, Jesus doesn't love that man, does he? I said, and I thought, wow, she had, I, I haven't done this good. And I said, sweetheart, yes, he does love that man. He loves him very much. I said, he loves that man just as much as he loves you and me. And she was very, she was confused by that. I said, she loves that man. He loves that man. He doesn't love what he's doing. And I said, and the way we we get to experience God's love is through Jesus Christ. So do you understand God loves this world? How many believe that? You believe God loves this world? Do you believe? So who's your hardest one to think God loves? Do Do you think God loves ISIS terrorists? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I want you to think about that for a minute. He loves them. 
Wait a minute, Pastor. You can't, you can't mean that. No, he loves that person. He doesn't love what, they do, what they're doing. He doesn't condone what they're doing. He doesn't agree with what they're doing. But Jesus died for everyone. And everyone should have the opportunity to hear about who he is. Can somebody say amen to that? And so for God so loved this world, everyone, that what did he do? He did something about it. He gave his son. He gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him, what happens? You will not perish, but have what kind of life? Eternal life. Now look at verse 17. See, that's not the end of the thought. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. It's not the reason Jesus came to condemn the world. What did he do? But to save the world through him. And so we see the heart of God. The heart of God is that everyone deserves a chance to hear about Jesus. The heart of God is that no matter how far we fall and how bad we've been and what we've experienced that God is for us and not against us. But the critical element that connects everyone to the love of God is Jesus Christ. So when we walk through a storm, the storm didn't hit your house because God's mad at you. Storms happen. The proof of a real God is how He helps us get through that storm. How He helps us on the other side of the storm. And maybe the real proof of a real God is that real people help the ones who went through those storms. That someone is there helping and ready and kind to share God's love and grace. For God didn't send His Son to condemn. He sent His Son to save us. And the truth of the matter is, if we could have saved ourselves, we wouldn't have needed Christ. If this world could have figured out how to get right with God on its own, Christ would not have needed to come and died on the cross in our place. But we need a Savior. And God loves us enough to send a Savior. And we as a church, as a people of God, must understand the incredible value and privilege of sharing Jesus Christ with everyone we meet. Let, let's look at this verse, 2 Thessalonians 3.1. So not only do we have the privilege, find that please, 2 Thessalonians 3.1. Not only do we have the privilege of sharing the greatest news on the planet, that no matter who you are and what you've done, you can be forgiven. You can start over again. God can change your life. You can be set free. You can be healed. You can be delivered. It's, it's an amazing message, the best message. But there's something connected. I shared it last week. I want to make sure we get this. It's, it's a reason we're saying, hey, let's get serious about kingdom builders. Let's get serious about making sure we're being as effective as we can. Because why? Second Thessalonians 3.1. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord, look at this, may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. There's always with the gospel with this sharing good news i want you to get this word again a sense of urgency timing urgency paul said we not only need to share the good news it needs to happen quickly and rapidly every day people are facing crisis every day lives are coming to an end we need to do this rapidly the gospel needs to get there rapidly why are we talking about kingdom builders at calvary so we can reach more people more quickly than we ever have before I shared a verse last week from John chapter 4 where Jesus said, Don't say, wait four months and then the harvest. Don't put it off. Don't postpone what you can do today. He said, it's ready right now. Kingdom builders. Why do we use that term? Well, Jesus told us to pray. The disciples said, Lord, how do you pray? We, we watch you pray. And your prayer life is affected. And when you pray, God answers. So would you teach us how you pray? And he gave them a model. Not just to mimic and repeat, but to learn. These are the principles of prayer. And the prayer, he said, this is how you pray. You begin by recognizing God, our Father. Recognize your source. 
which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father, we recognize you and, and we want to praise you before we ask you for something. How many of you think that's a good way to pray? He said, before I want your hand, I, I, I want to see your face. Before, before I ask, I want to pray. So how do I pray? I recognize if my prayer is going to be effective, it's not, I'm not the source, earth's not the source, our Father. Aren't you thankful you have a heavenly Father? Aren't you thankful your heavenly Father knows where you are on earth today? That Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. My Father, which art in heaven, I praise your name. And the first thing you pray as a follower of Christ, the most important, the preeminent foundation prayer is this. He said, and let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants His goodness and mercy and kindness and His will in heaven to be experienced by people on earth. How many understand that? Guys, that only happens through His church. We're the body of Christ, the Bible says. We're not perfect, but we're forgiven. How many are thankful to be forgiven? We're not perfect, but we're forgiven. We didn't earn it. Grace has put us in this place. But we are the expression of God's mercy. We bring His kingdom to this earth. We, we try to represent Him. We try to represent Him. It's, it, it's who we are. It's what we do. Let, let me ask you to turn to this verse. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. If you could sum up what Christ did and what the church is to do. And you can never simplify it into one verse. But this, this is really condensed well. This, this is distilled to the, to the essence of what we are to be doing and why we're here. And I want to make a comment about purpose connected to this verse in just a moment. This is critical to every one of us. It makes life work when we get this. But Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. That's an amazing statement. Jesus Christ was living in, in, in our human flesh. God wrapped in our flesh. And the Bible says God anointed him. God placed upon him the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, guys, let, let me help you with something. We have two uh, extremes in, in, in the church world today. All right? I don't propose to think I know more than anyone else. I'm smarter. I've got this figured out. But I, I, I can observe and watch. I'm an observant person. I watch things. Let me, let me tell you what happened. We, we, have this, we have this thought. And these are all good people. How many heard what I just said? These are all good people who love Jesus. Did you hear what I said? Okay. They're our brothers and sisters. Did you hear what I said? And we can learn something from each other. Making an observation. He anointed Jesus, our example, with the Holy Spirit and power. Now, here's, here's the two opposite reactions. One of those is, well, he was anointed with power, but we're not now. That was for then, and that's not, but not for now. So what happens if that's the case? If we do not have the same empowerment he had, how could we do what he did? See, if we say that's no longer available, then we are no longer capable of doing what that instructs us to do. Now, we can go to the other end of this, and there are those who would say, yes, God anoints his church with the Holy Spirit and power. Now watch me, but the only thing they think that's for is themselves. So I can get blessed. So I can get a Holy Spirit goosebump. So I can go to church and get a blessing. So I can raise my hands and say hallelujah. Well, that's all fine. But that's not the end of this sentence. Everybody with me? So, so what are we reading? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit of power. And so what happened as a result of that? And how he went around doing good. All right, I'm not through yet, but let's stop there. So... The result, one of the results of a Christian 
being endued with the power of the Holy Spirit is that you do what? You begin to do good. Now, I have some Christian friends. They're too spiritual to do any good. I didn't say they weren't any good. I just said they don't do any. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, they want to pray and they want to preach, but they don't want to feed and they don't want to clothe and they don't want to get in the mud and they don't want to get down to the nitty-gritty. Come on, don't, don't shout me. The, the, you know, they, they, they're, they're going to let somebody else do the good. They just want to live in the ivory tower and have a prayer meeting all day. Now, don't hate me. Some of you are so mad at me right now. I know you're... You, listen, you've got to love me to go to heaven, so chill right now. You've got to do it. Go ahead and forgive me now so you'll be all right, all right? You've got to love me. See, they're, they're too spiritual to do any good. All right? Too spiritual to do any good. I didn't say they weren't any good. I just said they don't do any. Okay? But it says he went around doing good. Well, what's doing good? People need some help. You help them. You're hungry. You feed them. Knock their house down. You put it back up. They lost their clothes. You give them some. They need a ride. You give them a ride. They need to learn. You teach them. You do good. If you're anointed by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, you do good. That's who we are. That's why we support things like Convoy of Hope and the many other things we do. It's why we sit here and during this month we're saying, how do we do this better? All right? So, but then let's keep reading. How he went around doing good. And this is the difference maker. You and I need to understand that. Because there are people, and, and, and I'm thankful for every one of these things. In Texas right now, along the Gulf Coast of Texas, and it's beginning to happen in Florida right now. Please understand me. Some good, needy, needful things are going to be done. But if that's all, see, I not only want to feed your stomach, I want to feed your soul. I not only want to give you hope in this life, I want to give you hope for the next life. So you see what happens. He says they went around doing good. And here's our distinction. Healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. Do you understand only the church of the Lord Jesus Christ can do that? No one else can feed you and deliver you from the power of the devil in Jesus' name. But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we don't do it, it will not get done. See, that's who we are. That's what we do. That's why we're on this planet. It is a gift and a privilege. Let me help you some with something. That's how your life begins to work at the highest level. You're moving in the purposes of God. Let, let, me, let me help you understand maybe what you're walking through in your life right now. So let me give you some words. These are called oxymorons. Words that don't belong in the same sentence. They, 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 I didn't call anybody a moron. All right, so it's an oxymoron. Okay, all right, watch this. Watch this. Bored Christian. Mm-mm. Those terms should never be in the same sentence. Okay? Unfulfilled Christian. Those don't go together. Are you with me? Frustrated without purpose Christian. They don't go together. Pastor, what are you saying? Listen to me. When you and I begin to understand that we have the privilege of being used by God to bring the gospel and healing and freedom to this world we live in, we begin to live our life at the highest level. We may not all preach, but we all help the preaching get done. We may not all be in Florida, but we help something get to Florida. Are you with me? We may not all be in in Zambia, but we get somebody to Zambia. And together what we do is begin to live a life of purpose. Now watch this. Without purpose, your life is not going to function at the highest level. I'm going to give you some free marriage counseling 101 right now. 
Okay? How many want some of that? Come on. Act like you do. I know you're married perfect, but can I help you? Can I help you out? Listen to this. If you are not living in the purpose of God for your life, let me tell you what's going to happen. No matter who your spouse is, husband or wife, if you're not living in the purpose of God, that spouse is not going to look as good, talk as well, live as good as you want them to, and be as fulfilling. You know why? Watch this. Because if I'm not in the purpose of God, there's something missing in my life. If what's missing in my life is operating, and I don't understand that, then I'm going to look at my husband or wife, and I'm going to say, why don't you look better, sound better, talk better, act better? And what I'm actually doing, because I'm not fulfilled in the purpose of God, I'm looking to them to fulfill the purpose of God in my life. And when I try to get you to be God for me, you'll never live up to that level. And if you try to get me to be God for you, I can never live up to that level. So if I'm not in the purpose of God, the things around me are never going to satisfy me. I begin, to, I begin to get frustrated. I begin to look around and say, well, you know, I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. You know, there's more to me than this. Why? Why am I doing this? Why can't this make me happy? When you and I begin to realize, whoa, I was saved by the grace of God. And now I'm called to bring His kingdom to this earth in my personality and my gifting and my ability. Where I work, where I live, where I go to school. God's purpose for my life is the highest level I'll ever be able to live in. And as we begin to live in that, the kingdom of God comes through our life. It's an amazing concept. It's just, it's the privilege and the purpose of God. We live our life at the highest level. It begins to function. Let me illustrate this. Turn to Exodus chapter 3 with me. Exodus 3. Exodus 3. You see, God always begins right where we are. And now, there, there are two things. I don't know if I'll have time today to look at both of these. Let me tell you what hinders us often from living our life in the purpose of God. Are you ready? You want to know what those two things often are? are? We're defeated by the past and discouraged by the present. When you begin to live in the purpose of God for your life, your past is going to lose its hold on you. And the present is going to come in perspective for you. But if I live my life defeated by my past and discouraged by my present, I'm never going to walk in the purposes of God in my life. Let, let, let me help you. Can, can I stretch us a little more? See, I'm not taking offerings at the end of these services. I'm teaching us a concept, but, but I don't want there to be an agenda. I, I want us to grow up into a place where we're at another level at Calvary. Can somebody say amen to that? So can I push you a little bit right now? Give me permission. Can I push you? Can I stretch you? How many let me stretch you? Can, can I, whatever, kick the sacred cow or rock your boat or something? Okay, let me help you. We've almost developed a mentality in the church world, you see, of codependency. Instead of freedom and overcoming and strength, we, we've almost developed this sense like, like, you know, I don't know if it's intentional, but, you know, it's this thing where, you know, uh, it's all about me. I, I've got to go to church and get what I need, and I've got to have my blessing, and I've got to get my deal and 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 you know it's 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 we everything revolves around me and 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 so i'm a needy person and 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 so what happens then we 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 just keep dangling someday in front of people no there's no faith for today someday someday you hold on someday it's going to happen someday it's going to happen come everybody with me someday it's going to happen you come back the next week someday it's going to happen we need a today faith we need a here and now faith the, the, the hurricanes hit in Florida today, not someday. It's, it's down there today. 
There's somebody who got bad news today. There's somebody whose kids broke their heart last night. There, there, there is a real world we live in, and we can't afford to hold the power of God and the reality of the gospel, always postponing it someplace. Living like you and I are never going to get through this. Now watch this. Here's what we've done. We, we have taught a mentality in the church that to me has, has, has watered down who we are. And the primary prayer the church learns to pray, watch me, is the prayer of a beggar. Begging all the time. We pray. We're beggars. All we can pray for is just enough to get by. And, and, and we've, aggrandize those prayers. Oh, Lord, give me enough food for today. We've replaced the theme of the church with uh, how great thou art with help me make it through tonight. You know, get me through, Jesus. I beg you, Jesus. One more day, Jesus. Oh, God, I'm a beggar. So, so we, we, don't, we don't pray kingdom prayers. We pray beggar prayers. We pray everything with our hand out. Everybody see that? See, there needs to be a transformation in who we are and how we think and understanding who God is and what He's done in our life. And we need to move from every one of our prayers being a beggar prayer. Now, don't you get me wrong. I've prayed some beggar prayers in my life. Anybody ever prayed? Come on, let's get real. Anybody ever had a bad day? I've had bad days. I've had some bad days being a pastor. Did you know you can have bad days being a pastor? I've had some days pastoring this church where I was so low I had to pull my socks down to keep from bumping into stuff. I was, couldn't see where I was going. I've had some of those days. You ever had any of those days? I'll be real with you. I've had some of those days. I'm talking about nasty days. I've had some days I don't ever want to have again in my life. But you notice I'm standing up. My socks are up. I'm good. I'm above that day. But I've had some bad days, some rough days in my life. And so here's the deal. We're going to all have some of those days. And there's going to be some storms that come in your life. Listen, but if every one of us always just beggars, what happens when we all come in? Who's going to help all the beggars? Who's going to bring hope to everybody who's... Begging. Who's going to bring hope to everybody barely making it through the night? How, how, who's going to bring hope to people who their testimony is? Y'all just pray that I hold on to the end. That's not a testimony. That's a whiner. You know, that's not, that's not a testimony. That's a testimony. God, stand up in church. Y'all just pray. I hold on to the end. Well, is it that fragile every day? Or what, what, I, why don't you pray this? Y'all pray that when I get to heaven, I'm going to hit the brakes, throw out the parachute, and hope I don't slide out the back before I get stopped. What about that prayer? I'm going to hit that thing hot. When, when you go to heaven, they're going to say, this one's coming in hot. You know, open the door. You're coming in there like a bad boy. I mean, who wants to go to heaven like a boss? Come on, let's go to heaven like a boss. Let's don't go crying in, whining in, skinning my teeth in. I want to go to heaven like a boss. Somebody want to go with me like that? Let's bust that thing. They're going to say, oh, open the gate. Here they come. Like a boss. All right. Is that, you, you get me. Not because of us, because of Him. What are we doing with who He is and what He's done in our life? Okay, so we're going to have some of those days. I'm not, I don't want you to feel bad. But if everybody has that day every day, who's going to help anyone? So someday, watch this. And that's what we're learning going through this process. It's critical. We're going through a time, instead of learning that all my prayers are begging my hand is going to turn, and I begin to pray this prayer. I'm not going to always pray the beggar prayer. I'm going to pray the blessing prayer. That I've become a blessing in someone's life. That it's not always, what have you got for me? It's, I've got something to give to you. 
I've got something to put into your hand. I've got something to put into your life. God has done something in my life of value. And I don't have to live all my life for the rest of my life with the identity and the mentality of a beggar. I can give a blessing because God's invested something in me. Now, see, let's, let, I want to illustrate this just in the last few minutes. Moses, let's go to Exodus 3, 1. Let, let's, let's look at this. Man, maybe you can relate to this. But thank God you don't have to stay there. Exodus 3, 1. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro. Now, his father-in-law. I'm sorry, I watched too many Beverly Hillbillies. It just, sorry. I think about, dear God, what a father-in-law. I'm sorry. Anyway, so... Sorry, I'm sorry. They're just sorry. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side. The King James translation says to the backside of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Guys, watch this. This is, this is amazing. I told you that to live in the purposes of God, something has to shift in your understanding of who you are. That you're not forever the beggar. God wants to make you a person to be a blesser. You've been blessed to be a blessing. And so here's Moses. There's so much to learn here. I, I, I really need, I, I believe God's given me some revelation on this to come back and teach us something about how to respond to where we are in culture today. You see, Moses was called to be a deliverer. He had a calling on his life. God spared him as a child and raised him in Pharaoh's house. And, and, and he was the one chosen to lead God's people out of slavery. And so as Moses began to grow, he, he saw the injustice of how his people were being treated. And rising up with him was an indignation at the injustice his people faced. It was wrong. But here's his mistake. And it's being repeated in this country today, every day. Watch this. When he saw injustice for his people, instead of responding out of the power of God, he tried to correct injustice with injustice in his life. And so instead of turning to God to stop the injustice, he's turned to the power of man and murdered a man. And so what happened? Instead of him fulfilling his purpose, injustice fought with injustice always murders the purpose of God in your life. So Moses is now running for 40 years. 40 years. Walking behind sheep. Doing something he knew. He was not called to do. It's been 40 years. Think of that. For 40 years every day. Bah, bah, bah. He doesn't know how to have a conversation with another adult. He smells like sheep. He stinks. He says when he talks to God, I can't even talk anymore. I stutter. I can't talk. I stink. I've lost my purpose. And now you find me of all places on the backside of the desert. They got to pump sunlight in it so far over there. Rednecks, hillbillies, and whatever else. And I'm stuck. Forty years. But on the backside of the desert, listen to me. Where he thought it was over and hopeless and wasted, the Bible says... He walked right up to the mountain of God in the worst place in his life. And there, God begins to speak to him. 
He says, Moses. Moses, oh my goodness. You know, when you've been where he has for 40 years, God does something to get your attention. The bush is on fire, but it's not consumed. And God calls to him. And Moses walks to the bush, and God says, don't come any closer. You've got to take your shoes off. This is holy ground. It's an encounter with God. At the worst moment of your life, frustrated, discouraged by your past. He said, I'm going to use you, Moses. I haven't forgotten you. Can I give you some good news today? You've never done anything so bad that God's forgotten who you are. You've never been out of his will so long that he can't find you. If you're on the backside of the desert in a pack of, of sheep, uh, a flock of sheep, he knows who you are and where you are. And our stink doesn't offend him. He knows how to get to us right now. He says, I'm going to send you back to Egypt and you're going to rescue your people and the injustice that, that caused you to overreact. I'm going to do something now greater than you can imagine. And Moses gives him the rest of chapter 3, all the reasons why it's too late. You can't use me. I'm not worthy. I don't have anything. I can't talk. I can't speak. I stammer. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not literate like I was. I'm, I'm damaged goods, God. There's nothing I have you can use. Anybody hear what I'm saying right now? Let's go to chapter 4 and verse 1. And so we get to this. He says, Moses answered, well, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? What about that? Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. Now, isn't that interesting? Moses says, God, I, I, you know, I'm a beggar. I have no value. I don't, I can't bless anyone anymore. I've missed my moment. You know, there's nothing I can do in kingdom builders. I mean, come on, man. Look, look, look around here. We do this twice. And there's Facebook Live and live stream and television and two other campuses. And I mean, come on. It doesn't matter what I do. Listen to me. That's the greatest lie Satan will ever tell you is that you don't matter. That what you do doesn't matter. Is everybody listening to me right now? That's the easiest thing. It doesn't matter. Yes, it matters. Why does it matter? Because it matters for the person you help. Listen to me. And it matters because when you begin to do what you can with what you have, your concept of yourself will change and never be the same again. As long as you hold on. Let me grab this. As long as you hold on to the past, the failures, the mistakes, and, and you hold on to that. As long as I'm gripping my past, I can never receive what God has for me in my future. Until I look at this thing that haunted me and failed me and robbed me and reminds me. What's in your hand? God didn't say to Moses, Moses, boy, you are a knucklehead. You blew this, boy. You're going to have to backtrack 40 years, go all the way back. Come on, anybody ever heard that? You're going to have to go all the way back to where you started. Everybody's going to have to forgive you. You're going to have to get your face, your picture off the, you know, the most wanted list there back in Cairo. You're going to have to get this right. I can't do anything with you. No, God said, Moses, what's in your hand right where you are at this moment? He said, well, it's that old shepherd's stick. God said, okay, let's start there. You see, the thing about kingdom builders is that it says to us, you know what, uh, it doesn't matter what you don't have anymore. It doesn't matter how little it is. It doesn't matter what somebody else has. God says, I want to begin, listen to me, this is, 
critical. I want to begin to transform the way you see yourself. And I want to start right where you are. Now, here's what we like to do. You know what I'm saying? God says, what's in your hand? What, what do we want? We want to say, well, what's in their hand? No, he didn't ask you about over there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that what we do. And no, he said, what's in your hand? Well, well, let me see what's in their hand, and I'll see. No, no, he didn't care. That's why Jesse, one time he said, Jesse, the plan said, go ahead and grab your neighbor's purse and give like you always wanted to. See? <laughs> That's not how it works. It's not gonna, it won't fly like that. Because listen to me. Here's the deal. God can never use us to free someone from a discouraging past. Are you listening? Until it's happened for us first. What's in your hand? Well, well God is this cotton picking. That's an Arkansas term. You don't, I, let me, let me, excuse me. Let me dress it up. Oh, God, it's this reprehensible stick that I'm holding in my hand today. I did have some education. I'll go it's, it's, it's that stick, God. It's that reminder of what I've done for 40 years. He said, well, okay, that's, let's start with that. Right where you are. Right where you are. Isn't that the, the amazing? God loves small beginnings, but he likes real big endings. Did you get that? See, God's not a little God. He's big time. He's big time. But he loves to start right where you are. That's the amazing thing. See, a lot of us say, well, I'm too little to do something big. Oh, no, no, no. You're right where you need to be. God starts right where you are. And then he says, so what do you got to do? He says, that's the staff. And he says, well, you you need to throw it down. He says, all right. Throw it down. Because I told you a moment ago, I'll never be able to receive what God has for me today until I let go of what tomorrow has been doing in my life. So he throws it down. And, you know, and we read here in chapter four, what happens? It becomes a snake. And the Bible says that Moses did the same thing I would have done. We don't handle snakes in this church. In case you're worried, we're all good. None of that here. We might shoot them, but we're not going to play with them. So, there's a snake. And then God says this. Watch this. First he said, you need to let go of that. Then the crazy thing, he said, now you need to pick it back up. What's that? So Moses is like, hey, let's get that tail on this thing. And he gets it, and it turns back into the shepherd's staff. So what's this mean? Watch this. God always starts where you are to break the power of the past that's robbing you of your purpose right now. So when he threw it down and let go of it, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing about God. The, the best we do without the Lord is just, people just tell you, just forget the past. Just forget the past. Come on. Wouldn't you love to just forget the past? Wouldn't that be sweet? But that doesn't happen, does it? As long as you're living, it's there. Here's the deal. It's when you remember the past, it doesn't hurt you anymore. It's when you remember the past, it doesn't control you anymore. Why? Because I threw it down and let go. And God says, now I want you to pick it back up, and I'm going to do something with it. You see, on that shepherd's staff, we we understand that those shepherd's staffs were very significant in that culture. Trees are very sparse in the desert. To find wood to make a thick, solid shepherd's staff was rare. This is what they did with those staffs. They were passed down from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. It on the shepherd's staff was carved the history of that family. 
This was the patriarch of this generation. This is who inherited the herds. This is the one that followed. This is who they are. This is where their herds graze. This is their land. These are their children carved on that staff. And so he says, pick that thing back up. And this is what God says. The past that you never wanted, this 40 years of frustration, I'm going to take it and I'm going to redeem everything that's history in your family. I'm going to break every generational curse. I'm going to set you free from the sins of the fathers. I'm going to rewrite your name on this staff. I'm not only going to let go of your past. Watch this. You're going to pick it back up, and I'm going to rewrite your future. I'm going to turn this thing around. I'm going to take your stumbling block and make it your stepping stone. I'm going to take the thing that reminded you of failure, and it's going to become the symbol of your greatest day. Because you see, from that day on, that that staff that had mocked him, that he had held day and night in the cold desert nights, the only companion, that staff, in the heat of the day, the only companion, that staff, he looked at it for 40 years and said, I hope I never see this thing again but once he gave it to God and God put his hand on the little thing he had he would raise that up and the Red Sea would part he would raise it up and blood would turn the water to blood he would raise it up and miracles would happen why because when God relieves us from our past sets us free from our past he determines a future with a purpose and a plan that's what's in your hand today That's what's in your reach today, right there in our hand. God starts where we are. That's why things like uh, kingdom builders and see, I refuse to take an offering at the end of these services because somebody will think he just after offering. No, I'm after raising the understanding of who we are and moving in the purposes of God that we can grow into something greater. So isn't it amazing? So what is the value of kingdom builders for the individual pastor that's giving, it's this, that I begin to see myself. I'm not the beggar out in the wilderness, trapped by my past. I've been redeemed by the grace of God. There is value invested in my life. And God doesn't compare me to anyone else. He didn't ask me to do what someone else has. He did not ask me what's not in your hand. He only asked me what's in your hand. He starts where I am with what I have. And as I begin to walk with Him, work with Him, and trust Him, and obey Him, He begins to do things through my life that are greater than I ever imagined. He begins to transform the way I understand myself. He begins to change the way I go to church. He begins to change the way I interact with my family. He begins to transform every part of my life because I've been willing to say, you know what, I'm not afraid of the purpose of God. I'm willing to let Him have what's in my hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, you lean on a staff, there's some security, isn't there? You know, that's what you lean on. You, you, you know, God says, you know, if you'll stop leaning on your past, I'll start taking care of you. Huh? If, if you'll stop leaning on that, you know, and propping everything up on the past, I'll give you a future in your life. God begins to change it. He begins to move it around. He changes your identity. And somebody says, I know who you used to be. And you say, I sure. You know what happens? You don't have to fight that anymore. You said, who, who, who are you as a Christian? I knew what you used to do. said, yeah, I know more about it than you do, so. I know things you don't know. But every one of them are under the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm not who I was, 
and I'm not doing what I used to do, and I'm not headed where I used to head, and I'm not going to be that person, and God's taken where I was and turned it around, and my future's greater than it could ever have been because my past has been taken care of, and I'm not discouraged by my past anymore. I'm thankful when I look at my past that God has worked. I want you to stand with me. One of our musicians to come. We're going to pray together today. Very important prayer. Please let me pray before you go today. I'm thankful for the grace of God. How many are thankful God can free you from your past today? You say amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And wouldn't it be amazing that God could just look here in North Alabama and find a church that's so generous that he could say, listen, listen, let me tell you where, what God wants to do. How many want to do business with God? How many think he's a good businessman? Okay, so check this out. He gives somebody five talents, three talents, one talent. So he says, all right, here's my stuff. Go do something with it. Number five on the program went out and went to work, brought five more back. What did he say? Good job. Good job. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you what? Rule over what? Many. Started with few, ended up with what? Wow. Okay, here's number two on the program. He comes in and number three. And he says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. He says, so here, I went out and I doubled and came back. And, and, the, and this is the great thing about God. Watch this. He said the exact same thing to both of them. He didn't say, well, he had more than you. He said the exact same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know what he said? You did everything you could with what I gave you. That's all God ever asks. Then there's old number one on the program. All right, number one, what would you do? Well, you're a hard man. And I'm just a little beggar, man. So you know how life is. Not fair. You know, I, I, I don't have what they have. I just went and hid mine in the ground. He probably worked harder digging that hole and slipping around than they did. Doing something right with it. You ever thought about that? Thief works a lot harder than an honest man. So I hid mine because I live with a spirit of lack. I live with a spirit of fear. Everybody with me? I live with a spirit of intimidation and rejection. You don't really like me. You don't really believe me. You didn't give me what you gave them. You are going to take it away. and You're not really a good person. And So, you know, I just dug a hole. And, li- and, and you know what he did to himself? And the guy only had one to start with. And after he hit it, he had zip. Listen to me. His attitude made him a beggar. He robbed himself of the one thing he had. I'd say that's a hard way to live. I'd say that's not a picture of the church of Jesus Christ. I'd say that's not the Jesus that I read about in Scripture. That's not Him. That's not our God. But for those that were faithful what they had, you didn't compare to anybody else. He said, come here, here, you got it. It's in your hand. Now do something. He said, man, good job. So right now, I believe that God loves this lost world so much. We must understand this. He loves this lost world so much, and He wants to win as many as He can as quickly as possible, that He's looking for partners. Anybody with me? He's looking for partners. Who can I trust? Who can I trust? Who can I trust? Who can I trust with my stuff? And so you start where you are and give Him what's in your hand, and he says, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. You can trust her. 
let's 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 do some more right there. Let, let's let's see how she does. And and he comes back around. And he said, Oh yeah 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 yeah. Okay. Well, she's man. I'm proud of her. Let's let's do a little more. There that one. You know. And she used to be this little lady everybody overlooked and nobody thought. She's down here just being faithful in that workplace and nobody sees her, or knows her. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, about a year later, somebody says, "How did she get that job? What? Who is she? Where did she come from? I don't understand." You know that head. There you go. He grabs over here one of these men out of recovery ministry. God begins to do something in their life. My God. So he said, don't they have a record? Well, they do on earth, but not in heaven. <laughs> I thought they had a record. Hey, God, what about the record? What are you talking about? No record up here. We just see grace. What about you? There he goes. Man, you understand this? God's looking for some partners. Some partners. We got a world to reach as quickly as we can do it. What a fulfilling purpose to walk in life. We got to do it together, guys. We can't do it by ourselves. We got to do it together. Let's bow our heads right now. Can you do that with me? Father, I thank you for these incredible men and women who have listened to your word today, given me the privilege to speak into their life. I don't take it for granted. I never do. I never will. I thank you, Father, that you've given us this moment together today, that we've been able to think and pray and process and allow the Holy Spirit to open up our hearts and our minds. Lord, today I just sense there are men and women here that have wrestled with a difficult past. And I pray they've come to realize that you've never been against them. You did not come to condemn them over that past. You've come to free them from it. And, oh, Lord, that they will never escape the hold of that past until they come to you. So, Lord, I pray for that right now. While you're here today, with every head bowed, let's give each other just a moment of encounter with God right where we stand. If you're confident, and you can be, and you should be, that your life is in the hands of God and all is well, then I want you to pray with me quietly but fervently with that urgency we talk about, that no one walks out today by themselves away from the grace of God. Would you pray right where you are? Today you were here if you'd say, Pastor, I came for who knows what the reason was, but I'm here and I've heard. God's touched my heart, pulled the blinders back, and I understand that to be free from my past, which I desperately want to, that only Jesus can do that for me. So, if you're coming to Him for the first time, or you're coming after you've known Him and walked away, thank God for another chance. This is where the past is broken. It's through Jesus Christ. It's where life begins. If you're saying, Pastor, I want to come to Christ. I want to be forgiven, and I want to be set free from my past. Start over today. For the first time, or to come home, could you just raise your hand right where you are and say, That's me. That's me. I'm else. Just raise your hand where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I don't want to miss my moment. don't want to miss it. don't want to miss it. Let's pray this prayer together out loud. Would everybody do that with me? Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I believe in you. 
I believe that you love me. That you came to save me. And not condemn me. Thank you for dying on a cross. In my place. So that my sins. Could be forgiven. I ask you to forgive me. I repent. I turn away from. My sins. I ask you to live in my heart. And set me free. And heal me where I'm broken. Release me from my past. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, I pray in the authority of Jesus' name that every stronghold, every bondage, every work of the enemy be broken and bound right now. I declare according to Acts 10, 38, that everyone who came in under the power of the devil is now free from the power of the devil. They are healed where they were broken. They are released where they were bound. They are rescued where they were lost because they have come to you. We declare healing, salvation, and freedom in the name of Jesus. We declare it done in Jesus' name. We declare the past is broken. We declare we walk from this place free and forgiven. We declare we are becoming a mighty army of influence for you and your kingdom in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.